There we are. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Um, <clears throat> I think I'm good. Good. Yeah, I'm good. My stand. We're going to invest in some new stands. Like Peter McKinnon, Joe Rogan, they've got these stands that are awesome. These are, aw, poor guy. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. we're going to yeah. need to. That's okay. Accept some sponsorships for that. Yeah, that's fine. There's, there's no moolah. <laughs> there's no moolah. We're so broke. No moolah in the bank of that. It's for, okay. For YDT. It's okay. We want to thank our sponsors, though, however. You like our mugs? Yeah. Those of you on YouTube, you can see them. Mm-hmm. YouTube.com forward slash You'll Die Trying podcast. I need to look that up. Yeah, you should. I think that's right. And you can actually watch this podcast. Isn't that weird? You're not really watching a podcast. You listen to a podcast. But for those of you who do listen to a podcast, thank you so very much. Be sure to give us a five-star review. Please share this podcast. Please also consider downloading the Anchor.fm mobile app so you can leave us a voice message. You'll die trying is what it says. Oh, it's you'll die trying? Mm-hmm. We'll go to YouTube.com forward slash you'll die trying to watch us. Yeah. Just search for you'll yeah. trying. Us meaning I'm Nathan Morris. I'm Jonathan Carroll. You are you, and we are grateful that you are here with us today on this 70 episode of You'll Die Trying. Yeah. Of You'll Die Trying. <laughs> you'll Die Trying. You'll Die Trying.com. Brent, will you help us? good i like that so it's always hard to follow the jingle because it just gets you in such a yeah good mood it, it really really does yeah are you in a good mood yeah overall anyway yeah typically i am and that that's true today too you're never in a bad mood there are days when i'm in a less than happy mood i'll say there was one day last week that you had to apologize <laughs> for coming in it was it was monday yeah i was I was exhausted. Yes. And uh, I just had a lot on my plate. And you were not, I don't want to say in a good spot because like that's. Oh, I, was, I wasn't though. <laughs> you just, were so not. I was kind of bummed. Yeah, I felt sorry for you a little bit. I needed another day off. Yeah. But you know what? We pushed through it. Yeah. Well, today's a great day. Yeah, it's a great day. Today's a really, really good day. Yeah. What is it that you're going to die trying I'm going to die trying to make a decision on what I want to eat for lunch for once. That sounds really stupid to most of you, probably everyone listening, and Dr. Carroll is nodding his head. Mm -hmm. However, it is a very difficult thing for me to look at a menu or to make a decision on something as small as what I want for lunch. Why is that? I don't have a clue. Well, I do have a mild form of dyslexia from the Mm -hmm. standpoint of reading a menu. Mm -hmm. It is... It, it's like anxiety on a paper for me. For those of you who suffer from dyslexia, you will understand. For those of you who do not, when you see me staring at a menu, you're going to be like, you're an idiot. No, I'm not. It's just hard. Words literally go like this together. Like, sure. It is hard. Numbers, forget about it. Menus are tough because uh, oftentimes they are difficult to read fonts uh, on top of other difficult to read fonts with very little spacing between the lines 
it, I can see where somebody who might struggle uh, would struggle even more so with that in that context. Yes. So for those of you who go to like Mexican restaurants and there's literally a 17 page book on what to get, no, it's yeah. not happening. Anyway, I think that that spills over into other decision making. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm going to try and do and be better about that. I really, really like eating out at restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I know that it, I know, I know what you're all thinking. I know that it is expensive. Dave Ramsey, who's listening, is mad at you. And I know beans and rice, rice and beans, but you know, hey, Carb City. And secondly, I also know that it's not as healthy because you don't know what's going into your meal. And when you prepare a meal at home, you know everything that goes into it, as long as you're cooking with fresh ingredients. If your hamburger helping it, then it's it's probably safer to eat out at a restaurant. In any event, I do love it. There that is. I'm no, I'm not talking about McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, although now that I've mentioned Depends it, on what time it is. Kind of craving it. Yeah, almost got it this weekend coming back. One in the morning, McDonald's. Coming back from Louisville, 1230 in the morning. Gosh. I was starving, but I didn't do it. Later, I told Joy, and she's like, it's probably good that you didn't, because if you had said something, I would have been all in. It's like, dang it, I should have. But you are literally all about that. Yes, but anyway, I like eating out. I like the experience. I like interacting with uh, table servers, because they oftentimes tend to be very, very interesting people mm-hmm. who are not encouraged, especially in chains, which I try not to eat in chains, but I do like Texas Roadhouse. They are encouraged by their management staff not to talk very long at tables because, hey, there are other tables. But I think it's a great experience to get to know people. Right. Met some really great people. Plus, when I eat at Mexican restaurants, I try to just use my Spanish. Really? Yeah. That's fun to do. Well, what are you what are you gonna die trying to do right now? <clears throat> I'm gonna die trying to right now, what's on my mind when you ask that is I'm gonna die trying to be the most disciplined person that I can be across all categories in my life. Whether that's physically, whether that's involving eating and diet, meaning, you know, not a diet, but one's diet, what you eat. Uh, Decision-making, which I want to come back to. Um, Work, schedule, marriage, family. I want to be disciplined. That's what I want to die trying to do. And as my obit will probably say, he died trying to be disciplined and and failed miserably. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm going to put in your obituary. Thank you. Yes, you're very welcome. Uh, so I want to come back to this decision-making thing. Okay. So do you find decisions to be hard to make across the board? No. You, do you tend to be an indecisive person? No. That does not define me, indecisiveness, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because they're just specific things. Like what else besides okay. ordering? Uh, recently we had a meeting to talk about potentially bringing someone on or not bringing someone on, and the the... The part of my brain was like, you know what? Invest in people, give opportunity, mm-hmm. give opportunity to be let down. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and we're running into that a lot more as our as our staff gets young, younger. I guess, yeah. So that was not. I wouldn't say. I guess I would call it an indecisive moment. That's why I bowed out. Yeah. And you all came up to the came to the conclusion you came to, which is the best decision. Mm-hmm. But th- those are things that I'm indecisive about. Other things like, you know, making sure this is done and that is done. Like, get it done, do that. That needs to be done. And there's like decisive moments. But 
I don't know. Isn't it? Isn't that an odd thing? If you're indecisive about a couple of things, doesn't that customarily make you indecisive about everything? I don't think so. I okay. think if you were to look at the specifics of that example, mm-hmm. it involves people. It involves some degree of potential controversy because there is, you know, saying no to someone, even if you're not the one having to say it. There's still some, there's some ick in there, mm-hmm. right? It's a little little negativity. I mean, by nature, the word no is negative. So I don't know if it's because of that or because you maybe don't feel like you have all the information that you need at any given moment. And so it's like, oh, I don't feel like I can make an informed decision because I don't have all the information, but we have to make a decision. And so I don't know. I, I mean, there are probably 300 other options right. out there. But I know what you're talking about. I was in that meeting and... I tend to be the opposite, and I don't think either one is is good, bad, right, wrong, obviously. Um, but I tend to be pretty pretty decisive about that stuff. Like I like to make a clean cut, and either it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. But mm-hmm. it's I'm not really into a lot of gray, like, hey, let's give it a try. Let's work it out. Let's say we're going to do it for this long. And then, I mean, there are times when that is helpful, and I will... Do it, but that's not my preference. My preference is clean cut. Let your yes be yes and your no be no right. kind of thing. You hire. Character. You train. Skill. Right. And that's that's fact. I mean, you can... And, and those are things I tell myself. And that, I think, is a... I think it's a good quality to recognize what you're not good at. Yeah. I, I, I wonder why we don't spend more time thinking, what aren't we good at? Right. And then deciding what to do with that. Are we going to be a let's work on our strengths type of person? Or are we going to be let's work on our weaknesses kind of person? Or both or neither. I'm sure there are other options. I think you can work on your strengths. I think you'd be mindful of your weaknesses and then figure out what you could be better at and then what you just need to delegate out. Right. Right? I do think focusing on your strengths is probably the best. From a leadership or entrepreneurial perspective, I think that's probably the best the best thing to do because there are always going to be other people who can come in and support and compliment you in your particular uh, strengths or weaknesses. In graduate school, they called them growth areas or growing edges. And um, I think that we are better off just focusing on what we know we're good at. Like you always say, if you can't sing, don't be in the choir. Mm-hmm. Do what you're good at. Yeah. So... Uh, I think your your business where you're at it flourishes. I mean your your buy-in, your your growth, everything is better whenever there are people that are actually playing their strengths, playing where they love to play. Yeah, the end. I agree. Uh, so anyway, but tell me, is the decisiveness thing at restaurants primarily about the reading thing of the menus? Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't. Let me think. So I was at. El Bracero yesterday. El Bracero. Yep, better way of I saying so. I wonder what that means. Our server was incredible. Mm. She was awesome. She wore a bow tie, and she was very quick to, to take care of, and, and we have all three kids with us too, so it was just a disaster. Yes. You know, yeah. salsa everywhere. There's like a little girl at the other booth, and the other kids were like, don't look at me, and it was just like kids fighting, and it was just weird. She ruined their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you were told about that. Yeah, and it's I a great was like, story. this is ridiculous. And the dads, like, hit their dad and me were like, sorry, dude. <laughs> it's like, sorry, man. 
what was my point? Oh, when I was opening up, I was like, man, what do I get? I even went as far, wow. I went as far as texting Drew. This sounds really bad, guys. But the Wonder Boys go to lunch there like once a week or every other week. We call it El Bro Cero uh-huh. for bro time. Mm-hmm. And I always get what Drew gets because it's good. But I got that because I, again, couldn't make up my mind, but I was like, I want what he has. Mm. So I texted him to ask him what we got. He was like, man, I don't know. I don't remember whenever I'm not there. So then I took a little bit. Let me go back to my brain. I found, to answer your question, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. So when you go shopping, Mm -hmm. are you going shopping looking for a particular something or are you kind of there to browse and see what jumps out at you? (laughs) I don't go shopping. Really? Mm-mm. You don't ever walk into a Target or a TJ Maxx or a, a men's clothing store or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I have. And like, for instance, I wear suits all the time. So I go and I need a black suit, I need a black suit, I need a black suit. So right. I go straight to the black suits. That's super easy. Right. But if you sent me to a gro- on a grocery run, I'm dead in the water. Really? Oh my gosh, do I have a story. I went to Kroger one day to literally... Megan was making juices. We are okay? not sponsored by Kroger, not by yet, the way, but we would welcome that. Megan was making juices. We go to Wheatgrass a lot. Shout out to Melissa at Wheatgrass. We love getting those smoothies and whatever. And this particular day, Megan's like, hey, we're going to go and buy all this stuff. And we have this really nice juicer. We needed oranges and apples. Literally, apples and oranges. The freaking first thing you walk into at Kroger on the left in the produce section. I'm over in the milk area. Mm-hmm. I am freaking out. I called her twice, and I'm literally walking in circles around the apples and oranges. I couldn't find them like this. I'm, for those of you who aren't watching this on YouTube yet, youtube.com forward slash you'll die trying, but I'm making a circle. 15 minutes. I swear, I'm not exaggerating. I felt so stupid. Wow. <laughs> That's all you can say. I don't really know how to think about that. Is it that you were in your head and you weren't seeing what was clearly Probably. there? I mean, I was freaking out. Yeah. It's really stupid. The, so there are two items of interest. Please for take me. it. If we Just could go. kind of parse that event a little bit. Okay. On the one hand, there is the, were you so distracted that you weren't able to see the forest for the trees? What was right in front of you? I don't. Secondly, I can't remember that part. I just remember being secondly, in my own head. The, the, the more concerning <laughs> issue is what about that made you so anxious? I have not a clue. I just remember Megan was laughing at me. And then the second time I called her, she was mad at me, which rightfully so. It's right there. Well, and it's one of those... Uh, if. If you want it done right, do it yourself kind yeah. of things. Yeah. I want to take a moment and just promote the click list, which is absolutely incredible. You just pull up to one of the six lanes, you call the number, say what lane you're in, and then they bring it to your vehicle for those of you who are like me. But I think I was just in my head. I think I have this idea, this thing of like, uh, I, I don't remember that particular moment. I don't know why it was so stupid. I think I just was flustered. I got flustered and then I was like freaking out about it. And I just started wandering around. I knew the oranges and apples weren't all that by the milk. Why was I there? That's where like the frozen pizzas are. I get it. See, I think like, I knew that, but I was, I wow. was like, what are you doing? You idiot. Like walked by the pots and pans. Like really? Yeah. They do have sushi now over there. Like legit I, sushi. I get it all like, the time. It's good. I get it all the time. It was actually very good. I get it and take it uh, to work with me for lunch the next day because it's amazing. Wow. Well, anyway, that's what I did. 
That's concerning. I think we need maybe to have a little walkthrough tutorial. At Kroger? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Let's do that. We oh. might need to bring our our studio get up and oh podcast. <laughs> yeah, take this whole gear. I mean, that would look better and put not it, be as bad of a train Put wreck. it in a grocery cart, just walk around. And That's have the extension cords like running. 100% doable. And then have a gaffer like letting it yeah, out and exactly. then pulling. Man, that's a good idea. I love that. Yeah. That's concerning that, well, okay, I've never used ClickList or anything like that from any retailer. Uh, <laughs> I like the experience of actually parking, getting out and walking. Now, if I were uh, a parent who had a couple of children mm-hmm. who were, you know, dangling off of me or fighting or were hungry or sleepy or had messy diapers or something, I totally get it. Like, yeah. there's definitely a demographic for that. But for me, if I'm just going to stop by after work and run in and get something for Joy, uh, because she said, "Hey, while you're out, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna find it." And part of that's gonna, gonna make me um, proud that I was able to do that. I've had redeemable moments, I do want to say. Yeah. You know, like going in and getting boar's head turkey uh, sliced on one and a half and getting a- Ooh, pro- you like a it pro- thick. Yeah, appropriate, appropriate pounds. And, and then there was the time that they misplaced one of our big orders for, I think it was like Christmas or Thanksgiving. Like we had this big order that we were going to get the day, ahead, the, the day ahead and they misplaced everything. They couldn't find it. They didn't know what was going on. And I stayed there and I solved the problem with them and it was very nice. We took care of it and they gave us all kinds of free stuff for it. So, I mean, there was that redeemable moment too. This happened early on a few years ago whenever we had two little babies running around. So there's my defense. The last time I was in Kroger, an older woman came up to me and asked me if I was Luke Bryan. And you said yes. I did not. I said no. I was wearing a hat. It's the third time it's happened. That's hilarious. Both times in the produce section, not to be insensitive, but it was by the oranges. Mm. Okay. Do you say orange or orange? Orange. I say orange. Orange, you going to the mall later? So uh, uh, back to this decisiveness thing. How important is being decisive for people who are um, running businesses, leading management teams, overseeing people? And people who are entrepreneurs in their own little shop, how important is being decisive? It's probably one of the things, having to be quick on your feet, Mm -hmm. quick-witted and making those tough decisions is very important. And if you're like this indecisive leader, (laughs) your business is definitely struggling. Well, and if you oversee people, those people are going to struggle too. Could you imagine like, okay, let's say the general manager of a Starbucks and they're all the staff come up and like, what are we going to do today? And they're like, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe make some coffee. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, do you want to do it? I mean, if you don't, it's okay. Think about that uh, a fire department, you know, an, an engine company. The alarm going off. You're, you're at a scene and the captain uh, on scene is in charge unless there's a battalion chief there or something. And the captain says, okay, you do this, you do this. What if they're like, hey, Cap, what do we do? And he's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, any volunteers to, I mean, that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Why do we accept that of ourselves in our businesses? If even if we're not running Starbucks or a fire department, why why do we accept indecisiveness? What is it about us? It's a lack of confidence. Oh. Maybe a lack of experience. Maybe a lack of. I don't of, know that it's lack of even experience. I literally think it's the first thing you said. I, I do think. Oh, well, and I do think that there are some people personality wise who are less um, 
adept at decision making? I mean, decision making is one of the kind of classic 15 subscales of what makes emotional intelligence of someone. You know, you have assertiveness and you have conflict utilization and you have uh, relationship, interpersonal relationship skills, communication. Of that, decision making is one massive and very important um, subscale for recognizing and being assessed for one's own emotional intelligence. And so an emotionally intelligent person, person who maybe functions at a little bit of a higher degree of decision-making is probably going to function a little bit of a higher degree across the board, especially in leadership positions. People who are not comfortable making decisions, delegating, assigning tasks to people, not feeling like they have to apologize for that, but recognize this is why I'm here. This is what I do. I'm doing my job uh, people who don't do that, I think, tend to to suffer and maybe flail a little bit in their work. There was a experience that we had. There was a fatality at a house. There was a house fire. The house literally exploded, mm-hmm. and the only portions that remained were portions of walls inside and uh, filled with no telling how many inches of water. And you had the the, the drywall was falling off, and then the insulation was all. It was all gross and mushy. They, the fire department, thank you to our our first responders, Owensboro Fire Department, uh, opens up a a back gate for us to bring our removal vehicle in. We back in, and it was a white sheet scene. So you have the white sheets out because there was a deceased loved one out front. It looked like people were out for a block party. Oh, yeah. People had their lawn chairs out. People, It was probably two, 300 strong. It was utter chaos for just the bystander. Mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to R.C. Kaufman and his chief, because you're talking of the chief at a, at the, he, he, ran, he ran up to the chief and he's like, what do we do now? Chief had the whole scene under control. They let us into this uh, murky house to remove the loved one. And it was just a very coordinated event. Mm-hmm. They had to keep the the bystanders at bay. They had to keep the the deceased's family at bay. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine just the chaos? But you know, being decisive in moments such as utter tragedy, yeah, is pretty incredible. So kudos to these two individuals, Chief and uh, what do you call a firefighter? Uh, uh, do you call them firefighter? Like right now, you say officer. They're firefighter. Mm-hmm. Do you say firefighter Kaufman? Yes. Okay. Exactly. I just want to make sure I utilize that. Properly. And then if they they get promoted to lieutenant and then captain and then maybe a um, a deputy or assistant chief or a battalion it. chief something like that Got and it. then there's one chief. Right. Yeah. So a house doesn't have to explode. Someone does not have to die for you to to start practicing like exceptional like being at it, being able to make those decisions, those tough calls. When I was a firefighter, we uh, had, in that time, only a couple of what would be considered kind of mass casualty or command center required uh, events where, you know, a, a one, and, and where, where I came from in the kind of Chesapeake, Virginia Beach area, a one alarm fire it has a certain protocol. That's two fire engines, one ladder truck, and a battalion chief. That's a one alarm. A two alarm, it doubles. Four engines, two ladders, two chiefs, and then probably a couple of medics, right? Three alarm, four alarm. So you're talking about bringing in resources from 
all over your city. And then there's something called mutual aid where a neighboring city for us, maybe uh, come, someone might come from Evansville or the county would come and assist the city. For us, it was Portsmouth, it was Norfolk. It was, they're all Tidewater areas full of all these, mm-hmm. these large cities. We would have resources coming across those lines and help with large events. And there would be uh, a typically a battalion chief on site who would be the kind of command operator. He's in command. And there would be a big board. And our helmets had magnets on the side with our firefighter number. Mine was 556. And so when you get, when you get there, you walk up and the te- person tells you what you're doing. Either you're going to be on a line on the outside of the house uh, streaming into the fire. You might be at a neighbor's house trying to prevent radiation from burning that house. So you're, you're hosing off neighboring houses or you might be on the deck gun, you might be in the ladder or you might be inside. The board is divided up among all those tasks and you walk up and the chief grabs the magnet off your helmet and throws it on the board and that says 556 is in on the hose. And that means I'm, I'm in on the hose, like that's my job, that's where I go. So when you have... 20, 30, or more firefighters all on one scene. You have to know where they are. Can't always uh, talk on the radio as clearly. There's a lot of chatter. You have your mask on. It's hard to do. So that's the way they keep in mind. Somebody is at the helm making those decisions, and there's never a question. You never ask, oh, is that the right thing to do here? Or mm, I don't believe I'd do that if I were you. Like that's that's not how that works. And it's kind of a, it's a more of a, a military style uh, rank and file leadership structure. This is why in boot camp, I did not go in the military. I think if I had to do it all over again, I probably would uh, just because I think that's where you learn unbelievable discipline. But when someone says hit the deck, you hit the deck, no questions asked. And and there's a story about a boom on a naval destroyer that got loose and it swung and someone you had to hit the deck and all these you know sailors hit the deck and the boom swung by and nobody was injured. Had someone questioned the order, they would have been hit, knocked into the ocean, and ultimately it would have killed them, right? Mm-hmm. So it is a life or death situation. When you get your order, you do it. And when you're told what you're going to do at that, at that scene, you do it. We are in a time where I think fewer and fewer people are comfortable accepting orders as is. I don't know if you've noticed it. Of course I have. What do you think about it? And what's the cure? Go. What do I think? Frustrating. Yeah. What's the cure? I don't know that. Mm -hmm. I don't know that. There is always rebuttal. Always. Always. Gosh. And it's such a hard thing because you want people to have a voice. You want people to articulate their concern, their questions, to come with their ideas. But at the end of the day, there's a decision that was made. Yes. I need you to do this and this and this and this. Well, no. Right. Okay. Let me stop you there. Okay. That should be the response. Yeah. Okay. And I think I'm where I'm at because I said, okay. And I learned. Even if I didn't agree with, even if I didn't think, even if what they told me to do was wrong, when I say wrong, it's it's not my place. It's not my... uh, it's not my responsibility to say what's right or wrong in, in regards to my operation. Obviously, I'm saying within ethical. I'm not saying... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Your terms of daily tasks. Correct. Task assignments. Do it. Do as you're asked. You can question it internally all you want and how you would do it better. That's great. 
but yeah. that's you're not at the place to make that decision yet. Mm-hmm. That's why you say yes, do it, and then you earn the right to get to the place to be able to make the decision for future. Yeah, that's where it's at. So when you do have someone come in to your directive and they question it, what is your personal style in how to combat that? Uh, I, m- more stern. Mm-hmm. I, I interrupt. <laughs> I'm an interrupter. I'm like, I don't care. Just yeah. do it. Uh, it's probably a little bit of defensiveness, but it's also because we, we have a job to do. Yeah. Unless I get it done, I don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for that. Right. You know? Right. Like, I want you to say yes. I want you to prove to me that you're going to do as told and then work your way up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Because when you speak and give me an explanation, you actually fall lower on the totem pole. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you can tell this, the passion I get. Yeah. As we, in this 73rd episode of You'll Die Trying, just, like how passionate I am. Like, just do as you're told. Do as you're told. Yeah, I want to make sure people know that they that there is a time and a place to be heard and to, and to share their ideas. It's just, it's not now and it's not here. Right. And, and I think that's the responsibility of the speaker to come up with a more mature approach to that, having a better time and a better place. It's not a, a leader's job to, to, to have to come up with that. You know what? There's another time and place for that. You figure that out, you bring it up then. We do this with our kids all the time. You want to talk about it? Talk about it. You need to talk about it at an appropriate time. Walking into a room when there's another conversation going on and splatting it out, that's not a good time for that. So we're not going to entertain that. Like you have to learn. You have to learn how to interact with people and how to engage socially in socially appropriate ways. So I I think if if people haven't learned that, and I think oftentimes people haven't because they've been told that they're special and they're the center of their parents' universe, and they come to work thinking that that's going to be true. And it's really unhealthy to think that way about oneself. So you're important and you're loved and you are unique, just like everybody else is important and loved and unique. There's room for you in the way there's room for all of us. Thank you for that. I'm Nathan. I'm Jonathan. This is You'll Die Trying.